Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is a recording of our monthly contemplative service. It has been lightly edited so you can participate wherever you're listening. Our contemplative service is a gathering wrapped around spiritual practice. Each month, we look at the writings and teachings of a different saint, mystic, or spiritual teacher within our Christian tradition. We hear a bit of their life story, and then we sit with some of their writings using a variety of spiritual practices. We encourage you to practice with us as you're listening, and may you connect a little deeper with the heart of God along with us. Thing we do at our contemplative service is a type of confession. Um, some people might be a bit new and not used to this, that's okay. If you want to join in, that'd be great. If you don't, that's fine. So what we do is we usually um, just have a time of quiet, which we're going to do now, and just settle ourselves and be in this space. And then we actually spend some time contemplating on this statement. From silly devotions and sour-faced saints, good Lord, deliver us. And that's a statement that was made by Teresa when she was in the convent. So she's talking about her nuns there, which is interesting. And um, we're going to just con- contemplate who has exasperated you this week, who has driven you up the wall. Where was the opportunity to humble yourself this week that you didn't take up? When you've partnered up with someone, when you've done that, and then uh, you talk, we, we'll talk to the person about what we've discovered about ourselves this week, and then we'll give a blessing to each other, which is the bottom line, okay? So I think everyone's on the same page. So let's just put our feet on the floor and relax and just make ourselves comfortable and just be present bring yourself here you're in Port Kembley you've come to meet with God and meet with each other and just being aware of where we are just steady your breathing just taking some time to think about the question up there which is once again I'll read it who has exasperated you this week who has driven you up the wall this week was there an opportunity to humble yourselves that you didn't take up hopefully you found that helpful um Confession's a great thing to be able to do with each other and I love it when we do it in this service. It's like really good for us to humble ourselves and tell someone else about what's been going on for the week and have a blessing said over us. Um, I um, want to just re- let you know that um, here's some sayings from St. Teresa of Avila so um, you can take those home at the end of the service if you'd like to. And the other thing too is on Wednesday, not this Wednesday, the Wednesday after I think it is that we meet for the contemplative group meet and we actually dive deeper into the person or the uh, mystic that we've spoken about this Sunday. So if any of you are really taken up with trees, come along to that because that's a great night. We have a good time on that night. Okay.
I think that's it for intros. I'm going to actually talk about Teresa's life. I have to put my glasses on. She's a fascinating woman. I love her. And um, I've got lots of interesting facts about her, so I think you'll love hearing about her. Um, here we go. Teresa, have you got a picture of her up there? She was very... Um, a very lovely looking woman and uh, she had a very provocative personality so one wonders about how come she never got married but she decided she wanted to go in the convent and that was it so anyway she was born in 1515 in Spain to Jewish parents she was one of nine children her father had been married previously and had two or three children from previous marriage and um, she was one she she was in the second lot of children that he had and there was nine of them in the 15th century, the Arabian or Muslim culture had been eradicated from Spain and Christianity was in power. The time of the Spanish Inquisition was on and if one didn't change one's beliefs, one could be tortured, imprisoned or killed. So Teresa's father gave up his Jewish heritage and became a Christian. After the death of her mother aged 13, Teresa's father sent her to a convent school where she boarded. She was known to be strong-willed, quick-witted and had a provocative sense of humour. After she left school, she had a strong desire to enter the convent, but her father was against this. In those days, women either married or entered the convent. There wasn't much choice for us. Uh, Teresa was often plagued by illness, and at this point in her life, she became very sick. Her family thought she was going to die, and they'd even arranged her funeral. Her father somehow realised that her sickness was brought on by his insistence that she not go into the convent. So he changed his mind and let Teresa go and she finally recovered and went in when she was 21. She went into the local convent, which was a Carmelite convent. Her first years in the convent, where she experienced spiritual dryness and a desert time, which was she was expecting quite different time to have in the common when she went in but she didn't and one of the reasons for that was it was a very lax and easy going convent and they used to have lots of gentlemen callers and uh, it, and it's said here that um, she the convent had come to resemble a boarding house of wealthy maidens rather than a house of prayer so there you go um, she had, there was continual visitors and continual gentlemen callers at this convent, so who knows what went on. Uh, <laughs> um, after another serious illness, Teresa had a spiritual awakening and spent the next 20 years learning, growing, <laughs> having a giggle. <laughs> growing and reading contemplative texts that was available to her. During this time, she had a series of visions of God. It was not unusual for the other nuns to enter the kitchen and find her stood there with the um, rolling pin up in the air in a trance-like place having a vision of God. And she'd just be stood there, like, taken away by this vision of God. Um, and I think that's probably when she's saying, it's written down, she says, God walks among the pots and the pans. I think that's when she realised that, you know, God did that. And the church became quite suspicious of her um, because the um, Inquisition was on. So, of course, they heard about her having these visions and that, and they were a bit suspicious of her. And they actually came and saw her and, and in, 
had an inquisition with her, I suppose, and to ask her about her visions and her um, spiritual life. And she was told when she had these visions that she was to give them the fig. And in those days, the fig was an obscene hand gesture, a bit like someone giving a finger today. <laughs> so she was actually told to, um, to, and she had a vision, she was to make this obscene hand, because they didn't believe that they were from God. They thought that they, should, they were from the devil. So anyway, in 1959, the Inquisition forbade women from reading. So Teresa turned to God and asked him to teach her about divine love and she began to write all of her experiences down. And that's why we've got all these beautiful writings from Teresa. During this time, she longed for a deeper life of prayer and contemplation. She set out to reform the Carmelite order and developed a stricter monastic rule and prayer. So she kind of went up in the ranks and got to have a say in how the convent was run and she must have got rid of all the visitors and the gentlemen callers and decided this was going to be a place of prayer. They became known as discalced Carmelites or shoeless ones in recognition of their vow of poverty. I was actually at a Carmelite convent about three months ago and they still only wear sandals in winter and stuff and some of the men were even walking around barefoot. So they're still discalced Carmelites. Teresa was offered a carriage by a benefactor who refused it and rode around in a cart pulled by a donkey. She never lost her sense of humour or wit. One day she got thrown out of the cart into muddy water. When she complained to God about the ordeal, she heard a voice say, this is how I treat my friends. And she promptly replied, yes, Lord, that is why you have so few of them. <laughs> and I think probably when she was trying to bring in the monastic rule and the prayer, more prayer, I think that's probably when she was saying from silly devotions and sour faced saints, God say, deliver us, because she had to put up with all these sisters and nuns that had lived quite a, you know, a free life, really, in the convent. They hadn't been ordered to, you know, pulled into line, I suppose you'd call it, because they were just so used to being in a place where they could sit around all day and invite visitors in and whatever. So they, she really did change the way a convent was run. Teresa went on to found 17 convents and many monasteries over the next 20 years. She taught her sisters how to pray and wrote many contemplative works. Her best known was the interior castle, where she likens a spiritual path to a castle with seven mansions and the seventh mansion being complete union with God. I've actually done a bit of a course on that interior castle and they say that not many people get past the third mansion which is very interesting when you think there's quite a few after that so and that was interesting she also along with saint john of the cross she became a good friend of saint john of the cross he was 25 years her junior but they became really close friends and um, they did a lot of work together and she meant he mentored her actually a lot of the time and she, a lot of their writings are joint writings, and so you get a lot of um, mystical and classical literature as ever written, the most, you know, some of the greatest mystical and classical literature ever written. Teresa was also known as St. Teresa of Jesus. If you look her up, she's also got this name, St. Teresa of Jesus. Where did she get that from? 
She was coming down the stairs in a convent one day that was locked and allowed no visitors in at all. And at the bottom of the stairs, there was a boy child. And she looked down at the boy child and she said, how did you get in here? Who are you? And the child looked up and said, who are you? And she answered, I am Teresa of Avila. And the child answered, I am the Jesus of Teresa. And then promptly disappeared. So she actually had this experience of meeting Jesus as a child at the bottom of the stairs, which I think is amazing. Saint Teresa died in 1582 at the age of 67 and was made a saint 40 years later. And in 1970, she was given the title of Doctor of the Church by Pope Paul VI for her significant contributions to theological development. Teresa is known, you know how they have patron saints of different things in the Catholic Church. Teresa is known as the patron saint of headaches and migraines. She never had a headache or a migraine, might have. Um, and those who are ill and people who are ridiculed for their faith. So if you've got any of those things, there's a person to pray to. <laughs> so as you can see, she had a really, she was like a real goer, I think. I'd love to have met her in her day, you know. She was kind of out there and was determined to change things where she found herself and um, was a real lover of God. And if you read any of her, particularly some of her sayings and stuff, and if you ever get a chance to read about her life and her book, and if you ever get a chance to read and get involved in the mansions, it's just amazing. I've been to a few um, kind of workshops and retreats where they do... Um, there's so many steps on to spiritual life. I went to three steps of spiritual life and then five steps and hers are seven. And the seven ones, the mansion, the way she describes it, is, is just so perfectly right for a spiritual life. I think it's probably the best one that I read as far as steps go. In step one, she says how we all really, we were first people come to know God, how they really come to this place of love and worship and want to just worship God all the time but these worms get in and the snakes get in and the lizards get in and she just describes it beautifully really in a way that you know we just are so much beginners and then she goes on and on to different stages so just um, if you do get opportunity to do anything to do with Teresa come, come to our night, it'll be a great night um, and that's Teresa. And I'm going to hand you over to Beck. Um, can everyone feel her enthusiasm for Teresa Avila? I actually um, tried to participate with Linda one time. Do you remember when we were trying to do that course together online that you had done, I think, and Kara and I tried to join in? I, I don't think I did very well kind of understanding the interior castle, but um, I love Linda's, like, the energy that she brings to um, teaching us about Teresa of Avila. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to, so we're going to do two spiritual practices that come from the, some of the writings of um, Teresa and some of the practices that she would do. So the first one we're going to do is a Lectio Divina or Lexio Divina. Um, and so if this is your first time to do this with us, what we do is we're going to read through this little passage a few times. And then we are going to 
take a minute and meditate on it and share what comes up for you. So there's no right or wrong answer. Just what do you think of? What does this, what connections happen for you? What, what words or phrases particularly stand out to you in that um, paragraph? And then we'll have an opportunity actually to pray out, um, to pray something from this. It can be really just a few words. It can be a few sentences. Um, what do you want God to do in your own life and in the world um, that's come up from this passage? And then we will sit um, quietly for a few minutes. So firstly, um, I will read this. And then I think if we have maybe two or two other people um, who would like to read this. Does anyone want to volunteer to read that maybe has a different accent than me or a different, you know, different, um, yeah, anyone want to read? Yeah, great. Brian and anyone else want to read? Perfect. Okay. All right. May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and love. It is there for each and every one of us. May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. And may you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing that you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise and love. It is there for each and every one of us. May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise and love. It is there for each and every one of us. So is there a word or a phrase that stood out to you as we read this? And if so, you are very, very welcome to share as, you know, as much or as little as you'd like to about that. <laughs> May you trust God that you are exactly where you're meant to be when you're not in a very nice place. It's really, that's kind of really <coughs> difficult to read, actually. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. 
Um, I just I just loved that, like the presence settling to your bones. I just I just love that because I I think the opposite. Often you say like you're tired to the bone, like I can feel it in the yeah. But just that idea of being a child of God and that presence settling in your bones, and then what it gives you. Sarah, I was going to say the exact same thing. Well, yeah, that little thing of like, be content to know you are a child of God. And then you're like, yeah, I know that. It's like, no, let it settle into your bones. And like that takes time. I really like the last line that just says, it's there for each and every one of us, just like the complete openness. Like there's no box you have to tick to earn it or deserve it. It's just available for anybody, regardless of anything, I suppose. Um, I really like the line about passing on the love that's given to you and like thinking of love as like an expansion rather than just like a linear thing. Um, I was struck by the, the line, the possibilities born of faith. And I know in, in my own life it's, times when I feel full of faith that I feel like there's a lot of possibility and when I'm not feeling a lot of faith that it feels like I'm really stuck. Um, I was struck by that connection that when the presence settles into your bones that that's what fuels your soul and gives it the freedom to sing, dance, praise and love that it's from that presence and revelation of who we are, that that's what, it's not effort, it's an expansion from truth, I guess. Yeah, yeah I was just looking at those same lines and that, that idea of let and allow are things that, that we do and yet, in essence, we, we don't do them. Uh, we just let it happen, which we have to give some permission for. We have to yield, just yield something to something else and to, to allow our soul uh, to have freedom. Um, and I think we, the, the world has shaped us to not allow us to do a lot of things. And we replacing one with the other and this is the good one (laughs) so next thing we are going to do is um, a guided meditation where um, we're going to imagine that Jesus is gazing at us and Was, I was thinking about this this morning because I like to do things at the last minute. And, <laughs> um, and I remembered that recently 
on Instagram. So this is an interesting connection, I think, between the 1500s convent life and Instagram currently in 2023. Um, there's an author and um, therapist named Hilary McBride, who some of us might be familiar with. Um, and she, she does a lot of work around embodiment and um, healing. She's pretty, pretty prolific at the moment. And she recently did, she did this twice, where she went on Instagram Live and she stared into the camera for 15 minutes. And she invited people, like she told people she was going to do this at a certain time, and she invited people to come and be gazed at lovingly. And judging from the comments, people had a really powerful experience. Somebody said, I cried the whole time. And it, I thought about this this morning when I was kind of, you know, preparing to lead this practice, um, that we have a need to be gazed at lovingly. And Teresa experience that with Jesus. And sometimes in church we can be quite busy, you know, um, praying and singing songs and listening to sermons and volunteering and, you know, packing up the chairs and loving our neighbors, which is all extremely important. But sometimes that can actually cre create a little bit of distance, I think, from what sometimes we need from God, which is that loving that loving gaze and there's a Jesuit priest um, Anthony DeMello who talks about this um, with connection to Teresa and says that Jesus is looking at you always lovingly and always humbly always lovingly and always humbly um, and so we're gonna do a little practice where we're gonna notice Jesus noticing us. We're going to sit for a few minutes in the gaze of Jesus who's looking at us lovingly and humbly. So if you want to just sit comfortably, you are welcome to keep your eyes open. I want you to feel safe in your body. So for some of us, that looks different. So some of us might want to just watch this <laughs> and that's totally fine um, but if you would like to close your eyes or kind of rest your gaze notice your feet on the floor notice your body being held by um, the chair or the bench notice your weight resting and being held by um, by God in this moment now we're going to imagine that we're meeting with Jesus. And just like Hillary set up a time for people to come and be gazed at lovingly, we're going to we're going to do that with Jesus now. So I want you to just imagine like where are you? Where is that place that feels safe enough to to meet with Jesus? Let yourself notice your surroundings, whether you're outside somewhere or you're inside, 
Notice the temperature. Is there a breeze? Is there dappled light? Or the warmth of the sun? Notice how your skin feels. And now you see Jesus' face. His eyes are gazing at you. You have his full attention. He's looking at you with love and with humility. Notice his eyes again. What does his face look like? What is the expression of love on his face? How does it feel to be gazed at with love from someone who knows you so intimately? How do you feel with with Jesus gazing at you. Are you gazing back at him? Are you looking away? What's the expression on your face? Let's sit sit a moment in that Is Jesus saying anything to you? Whether it's with his words or just with his eyes. Trust that you know his voice. Is he touching you? We'll just rest for another moment in his gaze, loving and humble.
I'm just going to finish with a prayer by St. John of the Cross. O blessed Jesus, grant me stillness of soul in thee. Let thy mighty calmness reign in me. Rule me, O thou King of gentleness, King of peace. Give me control, control over my words, thoughts, and actions. From all irritability, want of meekness, want of gentleness, O dear Lord, deliver me. By thine own deep patience, give me patience. Stillness of soul in thee, make me in this and in all more and more like thee. Amen.